Matthew 18. Starting in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. I know it's a little bit out of order, but I want to make sure that we all have a chance to greet each other. So let's, let's take two or three minutes here and just say hello to somebody near you and welcome each other. I think... I think it is testimony to I think it is testimony to how much you love each other that when I said that it was just like turning a switch on and all of a sudden the room was filled with the noise of God's people greeting each other and welcoming each other instant affection and welcome it is a joy to hear that believe me uh, I do want to call attention to two guests that just showed up out of nowhere here, Ken and Beth Mellinger, Jared Mellinger's parents. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're from our sister church in Harrisburg. Uh, Ken has been a pastor there for 30 years. Uh, and so a dear brother and sister, they're just, they went to... Uh, Redeemer Fellowship, uh, Son Joel's Church this morning, and they came here this evening. They can't get enough of the shories, apparently. <laughs> so. All right. Please open your Bible, if it isn't there already, to Matthew chapter 18. And, and as you are 
Finding that once again, I do want to emphasize the season of fast and prayer uh, that we are holding this week. Check your email on Tuesday. Uh, there will be a prayer guide for uh, the whole of fasting and prayer time from Wednesday morning through Friday evening, including devotionals, including uh, bios on our various mission partners uh, as we focus on evangelism and global missions. Uh, we encourage you, even if just a small part of that season over those three days, uh, to go without a meal or two and instead focus some time on prayer that God would bless the work of the gospel all over the world. Well, we're in Matthew chapter 18 as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew, the text that's just been read in your hearing uh, at first glance, first appearance, might seem to be a text about children, uh, but really it is a text about childlike faith. Uh, we do know that Jesus loves kids. We will study that in chapter 20, verses 13 through 15, uh, but this particular text is a text in which Jesus is not speaking so much about his love and his cherishing of little children as he is about those of us who are like little children in our faith and in our walk with him. I see a little child in Patty's arms back there, barely, what, a month old or three weeks old or something like that, uh, if you all could get a glance at that little one, you would have a picture of what faith looks like in the mind and heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is in his ministry. He is on his way to Jerusalem. He is about to be crucified. And in the midst of all of that, he uses a little child as a visual aid to teach his disciples some important lessons about faith, the nature of true faith, the value of childlike faith. And as we look at this text, we, we see first of all the, the nature of it. Just a quick look at, well, what is childlike faith? Well, in verse 3, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not or never enter the kingdom of heaven. You must become like children. But before you can become like children, Jesus says you have to do what? You have to turn. You have to turn. Jesus is saying that becoming like a child in our faith begins with a turning. It begins with a turning from something to something. It begins with a new direction, a new beginning in life, a conversion, if you will. There is always a from and a to when turning happens. You cannot turn without turning away from something and turning toward something else. This is the, the language of repentance. This is the language of conversion. This is the language that Jesus is saying to his disciples, you've been going in this direction, it is time to turn around. 
And this is a message, folks, for some of you who are here who have been going in that direction your whole life. It is the direction of self. It is the direction of sin. And Jesus says, unless you turn, unless you turn, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is this turning? Well, in the context, in this passage, we see that it involves at least three things. First of all, he childlike faith turns from human definitions of greatness to Jesus' definition of greatness. Notice what Jesus says in verse 1, the context in which this teaching on childlike faith happens. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I am sometimes stunned by the audacity of these men. Sometimes it boggles the mind how these men could be so brazen, so open about, and so transparent about their own personal ambition. Later on, we find out that they're arguing with each other about who's, in, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. They come right to him, who is the greatest? And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn. You guys, he says, I'm sure he didn't say you guys, but you disciples, you have been going in this direction of an understanding of greatness. You have been assuming the world's definition and pursuit of greatness, but I'm saying to you, you need to turn from that to my definition. You need to turn from that to something very different. Childlike faith turns from human definitions of greatness to Christ's definitions. Childlike faith turns from pride to humility. Notice verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The word that Jesus uses when he says whoever humbles himself is a word that, that means to lower or lessen or to demote. Humility is not self-promoting, it's self-demoting. Isn't this counter-cultural? Counter-intuitive? Counter- Our culture prides itself on its pride. We have parades about pride. Jesus says, childlike faith is not about self. It demotes self. Little children don't usually, don't usually, I'm saying little children. In fact, the word that Jesus uses here, the Greek word actually means little children. It's not talking about children who are old enough to start being bullies, which is what, two and a half or something like that. Um, uh, but it's, it's talking about little children. And, and little children don't usually go strutting around saying, I'm better and I'm stronger and I'm superior. Usually they are not really conscious of those type of, of proud ambitions and assertions. And they have a natural impulse to look up to those that are older and bigger. And humility doesn't strut around. Childlike faith does not strut around. 
Childlike faith does not think of itself more highly than it ought to think. Childlike faith is humble. It's not a false humility. It's not a fake humility. It's, it's not a humility that says, oh, I am nothing and I am worthless. No, I have been made in the image of God, therefore I have dignity. I have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, therefore through Christ I have worth and I have value. I am destined to rule and reign in heaven, therefore I have majesty awaiting me. This is not a false humility, but it is a humility that says everything that I have and everything that I am and everything that I am able to do is by the grace of God alone. Me by myself am nothing more than a piece of dust. But in Christ and by the power of God, I can become something, but in myself I am nothing. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. I am what I am by the grace of God. Childlike faith is humble. And childlike faith in the third place turns from self-sufficient unbelief to trusting dependence. Childlike faith trusts. One thing is for sure, that little one Patty is holding back there, is dependent. Is dependent. There's no thought in the mind saying, oh, I can take care of myself. I can do this on my own. Childlike faith, trust. Notice verse 6. Jesus says there that the little ones He has in mind are those who believe in Me. They are believers. Friends, belief is, is not just a, a mental understanding and mental agreement. Belief involves trust. It involves rest. Just this morning, I moved a new chair into my living room. Every time we sit on a chair, as you know, that is an act of faith. Is it not? You are trusting that that chair is going to hold you. Now you can say, that you believe the chair is going to hold you. You can know the physics and the angles and all that go into the making of that chair and be able to define it all and explain it all and say, based on all of this, I know the chair is going to hold me. But it's not until you sit in the chair that you have actually exercised faith. Friends, we need to trust in Jesus. We need to get to that place in our lives where we realize I cannot trust in myself. I do not have it in myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot rescue myself. I cannot atone for my own sins. I cannot earn my way into heaven. I need somebody to do all of that for me 
Somebody who atones in my place. Somebody who beats death down for me. Somebody who is raised from the dead. Somebody who's gone before me. Somebody who has earned the path. Somebody who has earned my place in glory. Somebody who has done it all. And I'm going to rest in Him. That's faith. That's childlike faith. Childlike faith does not say, I can make it there on my own. I'm good enough. I'm worthy enough. No. Childlike says, I can't make it on my own. And if I try to get there on my own, I'm going to fall infinitely short of the standard and the merit and the worth that I need to get there. I trust in Jesus. So, childlike faith in this context turns from human definitions of greatness, turns from puffed up pride to humility, turns from self-sufficient unbelief to trusting dependence. This kind of humility, childlikeness, smacks down the pride of our times, doesn't it? And the pride of our hearts this smug, inflated, self-assured, boastful age in which we live. Everybody walking around thinking how great they are. Everybody walking around inflating themselves and proud of their pride. Jesus says, if you want a part of my kingdom, you've got to come to me in a different way. Now let's look at this text a little deeper. That's just giving you the basics of what childlike faith is. In this passage that has been read, there are four primary truths about childlike faith that Jesus says you and I need to know and practice. Number one, childlike faith gets you into heaven. Childlike faith gets you into heaven. Look at verse 3. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Another way of saying that is the reverse. If you become like children in your faith, if you are willing to humble yourself and come in total dependence to me, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. Childlike faith gets you into heaven. Without it, you don't get in. You don't get in. And it means that if you're a self-hyphenated person, self-righteous and self-promoting and self-reliant and self-sufficient and self-assured and self-trusting, you will be on the outside looking in. Heaven is not for those who deserve it. Heaven is not for those who are self-confident. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Childlike faith gets you into heaven. Number two, childlike faith, and hear this, childlike faith is greatness. Childlike faith is 
greatness. Look at verse 4. Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this little child is, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm struck by a couple things here in this text. First of all, Jesus appeals to a human aspiration and ambition that we all have. I think it's part of being made in the image of God. We all aspire to a certain kind of greatness. And the fact that Jesus appeals to that tells us that there must not be anything wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be great. However, we need to make sure that we're functioning with the same definition of greatness that Jesus is. We need to be careful here. Jesus is not saying this. Have childlike faith and you will get all the worldly, powerful, self-interested, ambitious glory that you are craving so that you can lord it over others and feel superior to others and better than others and more important than others. No. He is saying that childlike faith with all of its humility with all of its dependence, with all of its other-centered interest, childlike faith is greatness. It is greatness. Do you want to be great? Then be humble. Humility is not a means to the end. It's not like Jesus is saying, be humble here and now so that on that day I can make you powerful. No, he is, he is saying here that humility is the greatness for which we should aspire. It is what we should long for. Prestige is not greatness. Power is not greatness. Having a platform is not greatness. Being on a pedestal is not greatness. Having a position is not greatness. Cockiness is not greatness. Trash-talking is not greatness. Self-reliance and self-confidence and self-assertion are not greatness. Influence and authority, not greatness. Being a pastor of a church, not greatness. Being an author of a book, not greatness. Being a champion of some noble cause is not greatness. Being a type A personality is not greatness. Having strong opinions and getting things done in places of leadership is not greatness. Spouting your opinions, having strong opinions, wielding our knowledge, that is not greatness. Being the GOAT, greatest of all time, in some particular skill or ability is not greatness. Being able to dunk a basketball or to tackle a running back is not greatness. You know what greatness is? Dunking your ego and tackling your personal selfish ambition. That is greatness. Greatness is the emptying of myself. Greatness is realizing that I am what I am by the grace of God and I am to live my life for the glory of God and for the good of others no matter what it costs me. My life is not my own. It belongs to another. I have been set free from hell, 
free from sin, free from damnation, so that I might become the willing servant and bond slave of Jesus Christ. I am His, and His alone. Greatness is measured in humility. Humility is greatness. Do, do you want to be great? We all do. We all do. We just can't use the world's definition of greatness. We need to realize that it's only as we empty ourselves that true greatness fills us for the glory of God and for the good of others. Childlike faith gets you into heaven. Childlike faith is greatness. Third, childlike faith identifies you with Jesus. It identifies you, it connects you with Jesus. Look at, look at verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Do you, do you see that? If, if somebody receives a humble child, uh, a person of humble, childlike faith in Jesus' name, he is actually receiving Jesus. Jesus so identifies with childlike faith that it creates a new identity for us, an identity in Christ, an identity in which Jesus binds himself so tightly to us that when someone blesses us or receives us into their heart or home, they are actually receiving Jesus into their heart or home. That is how tight Jesus sees himself in us. These are, these are hard Bible truths to really uh, explain or illustrate. It's the, the doctrine that we see everywhere in the New Testament, especially of being in Christ. We are crucified in Him. We are buried in Him. We are raised in Him. We are exalted to the heavens in Him. We are adopted in Him and beloved in Him and chosen in Him and, and made alive in Him. All of this by virtue of this union with Christ. Jesus so identifies with us and allows us to so identify with Him that all that He is and all that He has becomes ours and Whatever happens to us, happens to Him. Again, it's, there's mystery in that. It's this kind of mystical, wonderful uh, relationship we have in Christ. But we are to bask in it and, and glory in it. It's something like, you know, if you bless my kids, you bless me. You mess with my kids and you mess with me. And if you mess with me, this guy turns from this gentle soul in no you mess with you mess with my kids you mess with me there's an identity there there's a connection there jesus says you bless my kids you bless those who are of childlike faith and you bless me later on he'll talk about if you mess with my kids you're messing with me the point, dear ones, is that if you have come to that place in your life where you have placed a childlike faith in Christ as your Savior and Lord, 
He is bound to you, and you are bound to him. And you don't need any other identity than that. I am in Christ, and he is in me. Childlike faith, childlike faith identifies us with and in King Jesus. And fourth, childlike faith is a community project. Childlike faith is a community project. Jesus teaches this in three ways in the text that has been read. He teaches us that childlike faith is a community project because of what we, in one way, through verse 5, which we just read, when we receive and welcome those with childlike faith into our life, into our community, we receive him. What he's saying here is that this, this really is, it's a statement and it's a command at the same time. He is saying to us, if you receive a person of childlike faith, you're receiving me. And he's saying to us, make sure you receive people of childlike faith. Make sure you live in community. Make sure that people who are of childlike faith are not alone. Make sure that they are welcome. Make sure that they are drawn in. Don't leave anyone on the outside looking in. And if you do this, Jesus says, if you welcome those into your heart and home who have childlike faith in him, you will be welcoming Jesus himself. This all calls to mind, doesn't it? Matthew chapter 25, one of the wonderful texts of Scripture about what's going to happen on Judgment Day. Matthew 25 and verse 35, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Here's how you and I can receive and feed and welcome and bless Jesus. We can do it by receiving and feeding and welcoming and blessing those who come into our lives who bear the name of Christ who are those of childlike way. And notice, by the way, Jesus says, if you do it to the least of these, to the least of these, our homes and hearts need, and our community of faith needs to welcome, needs to draw in those that the world might consider to be the least that the world might look at and say they are nobodies, they are outcasts. Our community of faith must be a place where everyone who trusts Jesus is welcome. Everyone is included. Everyone is a part. Check your guest book at home. 
Check your guest book and ask yourself the question, do those who have been guests in my home, in my life in the last six months, do they represent fully the least of these? Or is it just those I like and are like me? Check it out. Jesus says that childlike faith is a community project. Those with such faith need to be welcomed. They need to be drawn in. And then Jesus goes even further to highlight this community aspect of things by telling us that we should be careful not to cause any trouble for those with childlike faith. That's what verses 5 through 9 are about. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones, and he's not talking about physically little children there, he's talking about little people of faith, he's talking about you and I, humble believers, anyone who causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands and two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying be very, very, very careful how you live because the things you do can cause others of childlike faith to stumble, to fall into sin and even worse into grave spiritual danger and he is saying that we should take this so seriously that if our eyes or our ears or our hands or our feet tempt us to sin and in sinning tempt others to stumble the best option for us is to amputate the best option cut out the eye cut off the hands cut off the feet or it is better to go maimed into heaven and to have a millstone hung around your neck and to be drowned in the wrath of God. Oh, dear ones, the old song we used to sing in Sunday school, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little hands what you do, little feet where you go. We should be careful because Everything inside of us should want to be holy, but we should be careful because when we sin, others are watching, and we can cause them to stumble. It matters how we talk, how we walk, how we dress. It matters what we watch, what we drink, what we eat, how we dance, how we gossip, how we complain how we do social media, how we process the news, how we judge others. For there will always be somebody watching. Childlike faith is a community project that realizes, we need to realize that we need to guard and keep each other, protect each other by being conscious of our actions. We see this community project aspect 
in one further thing that Jesus says, and that is that when a person of childlike faith wanders, we need to go find them. Look at it in verses 10 through 14. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Our Father in heaven does not want anyone with childlike faith to perish, doesn't want anyone to wander, to fall away into sin and into ruin. And so, in His care for each of us as His children with childlike faith, He has given us an angel, each of us with an angel, to watch over and care for us, and He has given us each other. He has given us each other. Jesus is saying to us, be a seeker and a restorer when a brother or sister in the faith begins to wander. Can you think of somebody who has been a part of Risen Hope Church in recent time? Yes, today, by the grace of God, is the four-year anniversary Sunday of when Risen Hope began. God is good. God has been kind, but dear ones, there have been those who've wandered. Can you think of people right now who you haven't seen in a while? Can you think of people who have gotten off the path? Can you think of Jesus' little ones who are no longer here? Brothers and sisters, it is ours to go and find them as best we can. Sometimes they won't have anything to do with it. They won't want it. But we need to do everything we can to find them. We need to do everything. Brothers, James says in James 5, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Galatians 6 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are our brothers and sisters' keepers. That is that to which we are Many of you, I'm sure, will be aware that in other parts of the world, um, Christians will often walk for hours to go to church and then stay for hours in church. Why? Why do they do that? Can I suggest it's because they know they need each other. And they know they need more of Christ. They know the trouble they're in. There's persecution, there's famine, there's hardship, 
There's hatred all around them in the world. They know they need one another, and so they pay just about every cost necessary to get there. Can I ask you this question? Why do you think we don't do that? Why, why are we, and here, this is just going to be straight pastor talk here, okay? Why are we so scattered? Why so distracted from church? Why, why do we miss so much? Why do so many other things seem so very important? Can I suggest it's because we don't realize we're in trouble? Can I suggest that it's easier for them to know they're in trouble than it is for us to know we're in trouble? This is part of what Jesus said. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. We're all pretty rich here. We got it easy. We got it comfortable. We think everything's good. Everything's hunky-dory. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah, we need an interpretation there. We, we feel comfortable. We feel at ease. Who really needs church today? Who needs community group? Who needs fellowship? You do. I do. Because I think in reality we're in, in some ways in more danger than they are. They know they're in trouble and they're desperate for God. More of Christ, more of the church, more fellowship, more preaching, more teaching, more of everything that they need to reinforce and restore their souls to go out into a world that hates them. You and I don't feel hated. We don't feel persecuted. We are prosperous and our prosperity is threatening our souls. We need to know that our prosperity is more dangerous than persecution is. We need each other, brothers and sisters. Childlike faith is a community project. We can't do it alone. There are brothers and sisters wandering. They need you. You have pastors who need you. We need each other. We need the fellowship of God's people. This is a community project. Childlike faith is precious in the sight of God. When Jesus sees it, when the Father sees it, there is rejoicing in heaven. But it's so precious that we need to guard it and feed it and reinforce it and protect it because the evil one is out to destroy it. May God give us grace to love one another and the church and childlike faith and most of all, Jesus himself. May he give us grace to so love him that we will be passionate about these things for his glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this text that is both so comforting and so challenging. Lord Jesus, help us, help us to have humble, childlike faith and to not lose it in this world of sin. 
Temptations are everywhere. Lord, help us. Help us to stay on that straight and narrow path, O oh Lord. Help us to walk the humble path of dependence and trust and affection for Jesus. Lord, may it be that as we now partake of the communion meal together, that you will feed and nourish our childlike faith so that as we leave in a few minutes, we will be strengthened to fight the good fight. We will be strengthened to defend and protect each other. Lord, speak to us now in this humble meal that we share. In Jesus' name, amen.